Hello and welcome back, leaders everywhere, anyone who's tuning in. This is the Rooted Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panetta. As always, we're downtown Salem, Oregon, in studio, home of the Groundwork Leadership Institute. We started this institute about a year ago, and the intent was to raise the tide of leaders in our community. Now and always, we decided as a philanthropic group, if we want to help and support leaders and develop them, then we need to be intentional about it. And we can't just sit around and wait for the good leaders and great leaders to emerge, but that we wanted to take part in developing them and creating them even. And as a result, we realized we should create a leadership institute. And we by no means claim to be the experts in leadership. Uh, We don't claim to have all the information and the knowledge, but we believe as a community that we do have it. And part of this institute was the idea of why we named it an institute was because we wanted to house knowledge. We wanted to be a group of knowledge. Hence, we started this podcast to help us literally record some of this information and knowledge from the leaders that we work with every day uh, in our community and even other thought leaders outside of our community. And so that's what we're doing and why we are doing it in a nutshell. We're happy for you to join today. Thank you for tuning in. We have a great topic today. We're really just going to dive in essentially into what leadership is and different leadership philosophies and styles. uh, And we're just going to kind of go down that path and see where it takes us. So today joining us uh, is our occasional co-host, Salam Noor, a colleague of mine. And he's going to join us here in a second, but I just wanted to set the stage of what today's all about and uh, hope you enjoy tuning in. All right. So Salam is, has joined us now. Welcome, Salam. Good morning, Chris. How are you today? I'm doing doing great. And Salam was, uh, was uh, with us in episode one, so he gives a great intro introduction to who he is, and along with we discuss what you know, groundwork is and and this podcast, um, which I've done in most episodes, giving a recap. But if you want to go back and listen to episode one uh, to learn a little bit more about Salam, please do so and and get used to future episodes of uh, Salam joining us uh, as a co-host. So fun to have you in studio, Salam. Uh, thank you. It's uh, great to be with you, and and I'm uh, I'm really thrilled with all of the other episodes that you've recorded. They provide great background and insight and context relative to the framework of rooted leadership and how we can start to think about that relative to the work that we do in our organizations and personally too. Yeah. Yeah. And and today, you know, as I mentioned, we're gonna be diving into to leadership just as a whole and just taking that on. That's a big topic and there's no way we can address it in in one hour, but uh, we're going to do our best uh, to talk about maybe some of the key components, but also how it relates to our our curriculum. So, like you mentioned, those those first few episodes, if you haven't listened to them, in in as it pertains to what we mean by rooted leadership and soil seeds and weeds, uh, kind of getting to the the foundation that we're building upon, you know, I encourage you to go back and listen to those. But we we're, we'll have a free flowing conversation today, uh, and we can relate it back to those components as much as we'd like. We can. You know, I, I'm I'm really eager to to discuss other leadership philosophies. What what's kind of uh, the fads out there right now, even and, and things that people are talking about and and discussing uh, as it pertains to leadership. I think that it's clear our world and our communities and our countries and our organizations need great leaders right now, uh, especially in our in our times dealing with this pandemic and and the racial tension that isn't going anywhere. You know, we need great leaders. Uh, to help us through those times, but also through the typical, normal, organizational struggles and challenges that that people face, um, you know, in their day to day life and and work. So uh, let's, I mean, let's jump in, Salam. You've been a leader for a long time uh, in various different capacities uh, within education, state level. I mean, you even work and with entities that travel throughout the globe, and you do uh, you work with different leaders in other countries. So you. You know, you when I when I think of you, I really think of a leadership expert. Um, I, I feel like I'm pretty green in my leadership years, and I have a lot of uh, uh, runway ahead of me to, and lots to learn. But I look at you, and I see you know a well seasoned um, leader. So I'm really curious to to learn from you today uh, as you contribute to the conversation. 
Uh, thank you, Chris. I, I really appreciate the, the compliment and I appreciate your leadership and I admire your leadership. And by no means do I ever, would I ever claim to be an expert on leadership. And I think that is really one of the most important uh, traits, if you will, or attributes of, of good leadership. Yeah. And, and it's about uh, that humility mm-hmm. that we embody and also uh, exemplify because leaders are learners. I mm-hmm. think that's really important. I think when we stop learning, we actually stop leading in the context of leadership because we have to learn about the organization that we're in. We have to learn about the people that we work with. And I think most importantly, we'll talk a little bit about styles. We have to learn about our own leadership style, our own Mm -hmm. capacity, our own uh, strengths and weaknesses. Um, And and that's really, I'm, I'm glad we're starting with that because when I was reflecting on, on this episode, this question just kept coming to mind for me. And you've been to job interviews, I've been to job interviews, and quite often, whether me being the person that's applying or the person that's interviewing applicants for leadership positions, we always ask, we always ask this question, tell us about your leadership style, tell us about yeah. your leadership philosophy. And as I think about soil as a key component of rooted leadership, I just it it just struck me uh, as an epiphany almost is because the individual's leadership philosophy, style, approach, etc., has a direct impact on the organization that they're coming into. Yeah, has a direct impact on the environment, and in essence, they affect our soil. Yeah, and they can affect it in a positive way or a negative way. So uh, I just want to throw that out there as a as a context because. Um, who we are, how we lead, the the way we show up, the way we present ourselves becomes really obvious to the people that we're responsible yeah. for leading mm-hmm. and and um, for the privilege of being uh, a leader in organizations, in the community, et cetera. Yeah. And something hopefully we'll have time to get to today is there's a lot of leaders out there. Some are good and some are bad. And even bad leaders still can get things done. Uh but, you know, when it comes to impact and sustainability, I think that it's clear that, you know, bad leaders struggle um, can, being able to, to constantly achieve those things. But as you mentioned, humility, you know, there's certainly leaders out there that maybe don't have that attribute of humility. And, and, and humility is, is something I think all of us always struggle with. It's not always easy to be humble. We, uh, we always are concerned of our image and what others think about us and of our own achievements. And it's, you know, it's a, it becomes a battle of getting out of our own head. But, um, you know, I, I, I do agree. I think, uh, great leaders, one of their key attributes is humility. And that's actually, you know, something we do talk about in, in the rooted, uh, handbook, the importance of, of humility as, as leaders, um, specifically in our seed section and planting seeds, we need to have this a strong sense of humility, knowing that we don't have all the answers. Um, and I think the, the great, leaders that I've been fortunate enough to be surrounded by have never acted as if they had all the answers. Uh, that's, ex- you know, extreme humility in, in my eyes. So appreciate you bringing that up. And, and hopefully we have time today to talk about the good and the bad leaders and, and the great ones and what separates them. Because again, a lot of people can lead and a lot of people can, can, can have the title. Uh, but, you know, truly great leadership is something that, that, uh, is sometimes rare, I think. Yeah, I, I totally agree. When we talk about humility, in my opinion, that is really rooted in this concept of self-awareness. Hmm. So I believe that strong, effective leaders are very self-aware. Yes. And what I mean about what I mean by that is they understand who they are. Mm-hmm. They understands they understand their values, their principles, their beliefs. They understand their strengths and weaknesses. And most, and most importantly, and that's where the humility comes into yeah. play, they're not afraid to, to declare that. They're not mm-hmm. afraid to show where they excel and where they need help. And the humility becomes an integral part of self-awareness because in this particular case, you have to be comfortable asking for help. Yeah. You have to be comfortable surrounding yourself with people that complement you, that mm-hmm. fill in whatever gaps you may have. And that is really uh, the essence of leadership. And, and in my opinion, it equates with courage. 
Yeah. You're not afraid to be vulnerable. You're not afraid to show um, where you need help and support. Yeah. And that leads you to other qualities of leadership in terms of building relationships, building trust, building confidence, yeah. um, and, and leading with purpose. Mm -hmm. You talked about impact. I think that is an equally important part of leadership. Yeah. As you are self-aware of your purpose, of your mission, of your mission, um, if your if your responsibility, if you will, are you able to execute those in an honest and authentic way? Yeah. Is the question. Yeah, no, I like the the idea of self awareness, and you know, you kind of listed off um, different things that that might mean. But uh, you know, one thing that I would I would add is is when mistakes are made or when things don't go well. I think an aspect of being self-aware and humility uh, directly correlates to the accountability and ownership that we need to take for when things don't go well and when mistakes are made and, and when we don't achieve what we want to achieve. Because um, it will surely happen for every leader. Uh, we're we're going to lose sometimes. Uh, and, and I think part of learning how to, to come out Winning um, and winning could be a plethora of mean a plethora of different things, and I don't want to get into that. But come out winning, um, we need to we need to learn from the failures, but also own it and and be accountable uh, to ourselves and and be the be the first to you know as we call as we say in the rooted handbook to break up the soil. We need to be the first one to own it. Uh, we can't we can't teach others accountability without doing that. And you know I wanted to talk more about accountability today, but I want to backtrack and kind of give a frame for some questions that I want us to d jump into right now. And uh, we'll, we'll see where it takes us, but we certainly will come back to this idea of accountability. The first question that I wanted us to address just foundationally, you know, what is leadership? Again, that's a big question. And so we can take that wherever we'd like to, uh, but what is leadership? What are the different styles, different philosophies out there? What are the philosophies and styles that have seemed to kind of last throughout time as as really timeless, you know, uh, components to leadership? What are some that have proven failure <laughs> that maybe we know now uh, are styles that don't work and that people don't respond to well and that don't help us, you know, um, progress and achieve? So let's start with that. You know, how would you begin answering that question of what leadership yeah. is? I really appreciate the, the question, Chris. And I think that is really the essence of uh, any conversation relative to leadership. Because quite often we confuse leadership as a trait, as a quality, as an attribute with what we often refer to as positional leadership. You could have uh, the highest position in an organization and you could be one of the most effective and powerful individuals and managers, perhaps, mm -hmm. or executives in that organization. But that doesn't automatically make you a leader. Yeah. So leadership, in my opinion, is a mindset is a set of behaviors, beliefs, and traits that individuals exhibit uh -huh. and model, regardless of what position that they're in. Yeah. Um, you and I are big fans of soccer, for example, yeah. and soccer is, is a team sport. And as you look at an entire team, the entire squad of 22, 23 people, uh, yes, there is an assigned captain, mm -hmm. and there may actually be assigned deputy captains, assistant captains, et cetera. But as you look at that team and you look at the way they play and they behave, you can clearly see that there are natural leaders on that team. Yeah. They're not in positions of power or authority, but they exhibit these qualities that we just discussed. The self-awareness, the, the courage, yeah. the empathy, the vision, the, the focus on others. When we talk about self-awareness, I think it, that's, a, that's a mirror that you look through to determine mm -hmm. if you are just self-occupied and focused on yourself, or yeah. as a leader, you also see other people. And as we use in our rooted leadership, you see people deeply, yeah. deeply seeing people, which means you're focused on the needs of others, mm -hmm. which is a mindset. Yeah. And it's a true mindset of, of leadership. And we can talk about other traits in terms of collaboration, uh, sacrifice, um, the emotional intelligence that certain leaders exhibit compared to managers that are very mm -hmm. technical and mechanical on their yeah. approach to things. They don't take into account the needs of others. They mm -hmm. don't see others. They see the problem and they want to fix that problem. Mm -hmm. But there is more to it and that's what leaders do. They deepen yeah. our understanding of the issues and they build community through collaborative 
relationships. Yeah. I like that you mentioned uh, two things. You, 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 know, you mentioned that not all leaders are going to have the title of being a leader. And just because you have the title or the, the status or rank of leader doesn't mean that you're actually going to really lead people um, with their hearts. You might, again, like you said, be able to manage them and have them do certain things and processes, but uh, you know, leading is a different story. And I like how you brought up soccer too, because as you said that, you know, you you reminded me of a teammate that I had in college. Um, and uh, you know, I played goalkeeper, and uh, my senior year, I was a captain, and so I had that title of being a captain. And I, you know, I struggled with learning, you know, how to really lead and and be a, a leader. And and you you might talk to some of my teammates, and I might have not been a good one. I don't know, uh, but. I had a teammate that wasn't, he wasn't a captain and he wasn't, you know, he didn't have a title or rank of leader on the team, but he was probably one of our best leaders. Uh, and I remember distinctly a, a, a training, you know, a session where um, we were doing these set pieces, working on corner kicks and, you know, I'm the goalkeeper. So it's a big job for me to make sure that we're organized defensively to, to handle those things. And we were doing them over and over and over and over again. And I'm usually a pretty intense player. I mean, I was known for my intensity, but after doing these over and over again, I started to ease up and relax a little bit. And this teammate uh, just called me out in front of everybody. And, you know, initially you have this emotion like uh, being upset, but that went away quickly as gratitude followed for somebody that was willing to keep me in check and lead, uh, even though that they weren't necessarily... uh, you know, quote unquote leader on the team, uh, but told me accountable, yelled at me in front of everybody, Panetta, step it up. Come on, step it up. And I needed that reminder. Um, and I, you know, I'll never forget that, that moment and, and how important it is. Uh, and this goes back to this idea of accountability, but, um, you know, I learned a lesson that day of, you don't need to be, you don't need to have the title of, uh, of being a leader to, to end up leading <laughs> a group. Obviously, you know, when people distribute and 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 exhibit these qualities, they ought to be a leader. You know, he probably should have been uh, one of our captains, but uh, you know, he wasn't. But didn't mean that he wasn't a leader for us. So I, you know, I appreciate you saying some things that brought up that memory for me. Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the things that we often talk about when it comes to leadership is is the ability to bring people together. Uh, we call it collaboration, convenings, etc. But leaders feel the importance of bringing people together to solve problems. Mm. So when you when we started the uh, this episode, that really is. Uh, a, I, I like that you're saying that. That really is a a key component to what leadership is: bringing people together, getting them on the same page to to do something and move forward. Absolutely. And and you talked about accountability and ownership. Uh, I think that's what leaders do. They make the problem that they're trying to solve. Uh, important to everybody else. Mm-hmm. So they don't have this hero syndrome, if you will. They don't have to be the one that solves all problems. I think good leaders really subscribe to that principle yeah. that uh, the more of us is better than the one of us. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the solutions. And collectively, together, we can solve any problem. The biggest problems we are likely to encounter as individuals or organizations and that takes a lot of uh, thought and care and, and deliberation on the part of leaders. And the reason I bring this up, because I want to say leaders are very mindful. Mm-hmm. They're very thoughtful. They're considerate of the individuals and the organizations that they work with. Yeah. They take the, the interest of others into consideration before they do anything. Yeah. And that really falls into this notion of empathy, that te- mm-hmm. leaders are empathetic with others. So I want to talk a little bit about- That's a buzzword right now. It's a big buzzword. Everybody's talking about empathy. Yeah. Empathy is really, really important because uh, if we go back to the discussion we had earlier about self-awareness and and that leads me to talking about self-control, I think you can't really be empathetic unless that you're keenly aware of who you are and and what your limitations are, Mm -hmm. if you will. And empathy really has three key components that that have been referenced quite a bit in in research and literature on leadership. So I'd like to touch on those really quickly. One is cognitive empathy, which is really 
seeing and understanding others' perspective. Mm-hmm. So that is a really key component of leadership that yeah. others bring experiences, uh, perspectives, ideas, points of views, sometimes emotions, yeah. which is important to the conversation that we have to consider. The other is emotional empathy, and that is the ability to feel what somebody else is feeling. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is an important aspect of problem solving. And the third, the third is, is uh, showing concern um, and understanding of what others need from you. Yeah. So you're convening them as the leader to solve a problem, mm-hmm. and that problem might be of most concern to you, but I think it's important to understand the needs of the participant mm-hmm. and, and be able to show that empathy and factor that into the decision-making that will yeah. result from that process. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I mean, again, everyone is, you know, talking about empathy right now. We have several discuss- discussions around empathy within Groundwork, you know, with our leaders. And it always stems from our most core part of our curriculum, which is soil. Because what soil and cultivating soil is rooted in is this idea of seeing others. It starts with, you know, changing ourselves first, being accountable to ourselves first. But then we jump right into these other layers, which if you listen to early episodes, you know, seeing people and deeply seeing people. And I, I personally believe that, you know, empathy is a quality that leaders have that, that are able to see others. In fact, if I can't see others as people, empathy will never follow. You know, empathy follows naturally leaders that choose to see others as people. And that doesn't mean that they're soft. It doesn't mean that they, you know, don't hold themselves accountable and others accountable. Uh, those are those are things that you know that they're gonna they're gonna continue to have to do, and sometimes they have to do the hard thing, um, sometimes they have to do the difficult thing and say the hard thing and and make hard decisions. But empathy doesn't say that they don't stop doing those. Uh, empathy just says that they're taking into account how decisions and some of these hard decisions impact others, and then they do something about it. Uh, so uh, you know, I love this idea of empathy, but you know, personally. I believe, and, and we talk about it in, in, in the Rooted Handbook, is it starts with the desire and the choice that we have to see other people as people that matter like we matter. In fact, the contrast to a leader, as you said, that gathers, you know, gets people together to work on things, you know, together to see a common vision and to get things done. The contrast to that is bad leaders can still do that, uh, but they're only getting people on the same page so that it makes them look good, right? I want to look good and all of these people are instruments or tools in helping me look good. And the moment that they stop making me look good, they do something bad or they make a mistake, the first thing I might do is blame them. But uh, I definitely am not, I, I don't want to take the the ownership or, or the, the, the blame for why something went wrong if I can point it to, to somebody else. So, you know, there's always the contrast of, Great leaders get people together, get them on the same page, but bad leaders do that as well. The motive's just different. They don't see them as people. They're actually only concerned about themselves. And therefore, empathy is almost extinct. (laughs) You know, it doesn't doesn't even exist in those those dynamics. Um, If the leader's entering, you know, and showing up, like you said earlier, if they show up in a a space that's only self-concerning, that that empathy will just won't happen. I totally agree. And... um we, we focus a lot in our conversation on the soil component of the rooted leadership framework, not to suggest that the seeds and the weeds are not equally important, because sometimes that's how you really resolve your um, your soil issue, quite frankly, that you have yeah. a lot of weeds. and Pulling, weeds, Getting the weeds out is really it, a problem it, of the soil. Exactly. Right? And all of those things tie together when we talk about leadership, because you are the individual that others look to for direction, for inspiration, yeah. for um, vision, if you will. You're the one they look to for answers. Uh, you are the one that's entrusted with solving all of the issues that the organization has, both internally and externally. And essentially, you are the moral authority. You're the mm-hmm. standard for behavior. Yeah and for engagement in that organization. The steward of the soil. The steward, That's what we say in the handbook. The absolutely. So soil, you are yeah. truly the steward of the soil mm-hmm. and much depends on you. And I know that is a great burden to shoulder, 
But that is the essence of leadership, is your willingness to sacrifice, Mm -hmm. your willingness to suffer. And one of the terms that we have in the book that I really love in this framework is using your suffering well. So the suffering is part of leadership. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I want to touch on relative to empathy is authenticity. This is another word that we hear today. Are you an authentic leader? What really makes you an authentic leader? And that is really simply about, about speaking your truth mm-hmm. and being who you truly are, Vulnerable. even in a leadership role. Yeah. And that's where the humility and the vulnerability and the courage come to play. And being authentic is really important for building trust and for building relationships yeah. because people want to believe what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And they want to believe in the vision and the mission that you've outlined for the organization. Yeah. So authenticity is one of the most important traits of leadership. And people see that. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes them embrace uh, your ideas, your vision, your direction. And authenticity is really integral to addressing the weeds within an organization, because that's when we become most vulnerable. When we identify the weeds, we identify the conflict, we identify the distractions, we identify the tension and we try and resolve it, uh, it's important to resolve it in a very authentic and intentional way. Yeah. People want realness. They want their leaders to be real. And I think, you know, seeing people as leaders is so important. And and you mentioned using suffering well. We talk about that in our deeply seeing section, deeply seeing people. That's one of the components, you know, attributes that leaders that deeply see have, which is using suffering well. But you brought up another one, which is this idea of authenticity. We say um, being emotionally transparent, what we mean by that is um, knowing what holds us back emotionally and then uh, doing something about it, uh, not just emotionally at work, but at home and just knowing <laughs> knowing emotionally what is holding us back and making necessary changes to that. That's, that's being authentic in my eyes. And also we need an extreme amount of self-awareness to be able to even see that uh, and to do it. I think, you know, this, this, this idea you're bringing up is, is, is really important and it's not, obviously it's not easy, um, to always be, be authentic and to be vulnerable because we feel like professionally in general, we feel like we have to put on our professional hat and that's true to some degree, right? We cannot be the same way at work or as a leader that maybe we would be in the comfort of our own home, but to some degree we, we take those things with us and we shouldn't hide them. And that's actually a benefit I have seen from the pandemic uh, and everything going virtual and people at home working on Zoom. They're so close now to their personal life that people see it, even just on a video call. You know, you're Zooming with somebody and you see something in the background and like, oh, that's just part of their life. You have a child that may run on screen, uh, you know, whether it's a teenager or a young child, and you just get to see other people through this authentic, real lens and, and they become more human to us. Uh, and I think that's important for leaders to be intentional about it. And we shouldn't need a pandemic uh, to to ha- force us to to make those aspects part of what we bring to the the table in our leadership. Um, we need to provide opportunities for people to really really see us and yeah. and what makes us who we are, which is again being authentic. Absolutely, you touched on something that I also think is 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 very pertinent to what we're talking about, and that is transparency. Mm-hmm. So transparency is a big buzzword today relative to uh, our political environment, cultural environment, social environment. Uh, it's a it's something that's really important to us, and I think these things all connect and tie together. Yeah. But transparency is something that leaders, I think, need to be extremely mindful of and intentional about. Yeah. So transparency is not just putting whatever documents or agendas or policies you have on your website. Mm-hmm. Transparency in how you lead yeah. is really important because leading is about purpose too. Mm-hmm. And I often like to use the phrase leading with purpose. Yeah. What is your purpose? And most importantly, is that is that clear to everyone that you're working with? Yeah. Is it an honest and transparent purpose? Mm-hmm. Meaning it does serve the interest of the organization and not necessarily your individual interest in whatever role that you're in. Yeah. Does it have that impact mm-hmm. that the organization is trying to achieve? 
So transparency, and I think this ties very nicely into the rooted framework. Yeah. So transparency uh, tied with purpose and impact uh, fits very nicely within the seeds section too, yeah. because mm-hmm. in the seeds, in the context of seeds, you're you're um, uh, you're introducing new ideas. Yeah. You're innovating. You have initiatives. You have new strategies and approaches to the work. You may actually have a reinvention of something that you've done for a long time. Yeah. What is the purpose behind that? What is the outcome that we're trying to achieve? And leaders are really comfortable being transparent and putting it all out there for mm-hmm. the world to see because what they're measuring is their impact yeah. and not just what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of things come to mind when you talk about transparency. A couple episodes ago, uh, we had Desmond from Arbinger and I asked him, you know, final question I asked him when he was with us via phone, you know, what is the most important thing or component to leadership? And he actually said transparency. And we talked, we spoke a little bit about that, but it reminded me, and I shared this with Desmond, you know, a mutual friend that we both have, somebody that also is kind of in the Arbinger Institute family, who I actually, I'm going to have to reach out to him and get him on a, on an episode, but it's Chip Huth, and he's a major in the Kansas City Police Department. And Chip is is one of the greatest examples of leadership to me, because he's he's been a leader for a long time, but he has experienced both ends of the spectrum, being a really, really bad leader that's toxic and causes all sorts of problems and grief and, and even, you know, financial implications to to their organization and their community, all the way to being a phenomenal, I mean, he's an incredible leader now and, and his journey is is one that is worth learning about. And it's actually in the book, The Outward Mindset, uh, you can read about Chip. But he spoke at a conference a few years ago and he talked, he spoke about leadership and he and he's really transparent with him with himself and with the audience. He'll talk, he'll be the first to tell you that he used to not be a good leader. He was a, you know, a bad one and he was still getting things done, but just, you know, not a good leader. Uh, But he shared three things that he thought were important to leadership. The first, and we've talked about all of them actually already. The first one is they need, leaders need to see people. They need to see other people around them. And he's a great example of this. In fact, in that same conference, you know, another Another speaker was in session and, and him and I were having this brief conversation. Chip and I were sitting right next to him and uh, he said, excuse me, one moment, I got to step out. It's, it's one of my guy's birthdays, right? One of his officers. And he oversees a lot of officers uh, as a major. It's one of my guy's birthday. I got to go call him and tell him happy birthday. Uh, so that was the first thing he said, see people. The second was tell the truth. And the third was transparency. He said those in his eyes and personal lived experience are the most three, you know, the three most important things that we can do as a leader. And then, I, you know, to add on this idea of, of purpose and as a leader, you know, with, with an initiative, there's or a project or anything that we do as leaders in an organization, there's always some sort of end goal, usually tangible. Uh, and we should definitely know that. And we should have a purpose driving that. And we should have a bottom line that we're trying to improve. Uh, but just recently... I was visiting with my father-in-law. We were on a drive and we were talking about leadership and he was sharing his experience. He's an administrator at a couple of healthcare facilities um, in California. And he was just talking about what really gets him out of bed because he was a college football coach for a long time and he's just been, at, like that's, his, that's where his heart's at. And now he's, you know, a healthcare administrator and a, a really important job, but he just never imagined himself doing that. But he shared what gets him out of bed in, in the morning and what he gets excited about is that he gets to develop other leaders and develop people. And so although he has tangible financial outcomes that he's trying to achieve for the organization as a whole, his other purpose is to go to work and develop other leaders and and develop other people. And that's that's a noble purpose that I think great leaders have to have is they can't just see the end goal. That's a really important thing that they should see, the tangible outcome, but they need to see Every day when they show up as an opportunity to improve and better the people around them, uh, and I think you spoke to that well in talking about purpose. You know, there's there's purposes twofold. You know, the tangible outcome and perhaps the intangible. I mean, yeah. we never know the impact that that we might have on somebody years down the road. You know, and, and the people. And my father-in-law shared a couple of stories that he with me of people that he's working with now and his in in a couple of his locations, and. The impact and the outcome for those interactions that he's having that are positive, I mean, he'll never know the true impact. It will impact people for for a long time. 
Um, and that, that to me is more important than the tangible outcome. We need the tangible outcome. Otherwise we, you know, in some cases we're fired and we can't, yeah. we're not, we're, we're not there anymore. But what's more important is that, that idea of, of developing people and that purpose we have. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think this is something that we often underestimate relative to the importance of leadership and individuals in leadership roles. So often when people ask me, what do you think is your, you know, as a leader, what are the primary responsibilities um, or obligations? I, I even call it an obligation because it's a duty. It's a sense of stewardship for yeah. the privilege of being in a leadership mm -hmm. position. And I always say uh, the, sa the same thing. I, I don't call it developing people, but that's essentially what it is. I've always said that my responsibility as a leader is to grow other leaders. Yeah. And that's the same as developing people. Mm -hmm. And what's important about that is is the is the intentionality and purpose behind it. You can't you can't assume it's going to happen on its own. I think by modeling um the the qualities of leadership and the traits of leadership that we just discussed, people will will learn from that, will learn to apply those principles, but I think we have to do that with intentionality and purpose. Mm -hmm. The whole goal of Groundwork, uh, the Leadership Institute, is developing and growing leaders in our mm -hmm. community with a, with a particular purpose in mind, is to yeah. make them uh, aware of the importance of the rooted leadership framework and to apply that in the context in which they operate, whether it's a nonprofit sector education, community, government, et cetera, private sector, et cetera. So I, I think that notion of developing leaders, growing leaders is really essential for the soil, the soil yeah. of your organization, because it's about people and people yeah. is one of the key components of good, healthy soil. Yeah. So developing those individuals, and some may choose to go into leadership and managerial positions, and others can be equally effective by having uh, learned those leadership skills and yeah. applying them in their daily practice. So we, we don't have to assume that everybody is going to step into an official designated leadership role. But it reemphasizes this notion that anyone can lead, yeah. and we just have to empower them with the, with the right leadership skills and traits and qualities to be effective at what they what they do. Yeah. Well, um, you know, essentially, we talk about this in episode two, is soil is the people. I mean, our soil is people, and, and so cultivating it, we need to see them if we want to improve the soil. And so, you know, that is what we're talking about when we talk about the soil. It, it, yeah. it is the people. And, you know, when I was working, you reminded me of a, another story. Uh, when I was working at the Arbinger Institute, and I would have... I had a client portfolio and worked with several different people from all over the country and several executives that I, that were clients of mine. And, you know, they would often phone up and we'd discuss, you know, how to use the content. And some of those, a lot of those calls would just turn into a consultative conversation and something that, uh, that I would go th through with them that I, you know, just started to observe. Um, and, and I started to put kind of my own framework to it, but this idea of developing people, I would lay it out, you know, I draw on the board and I'd, just titles alone. Like, okay, so you got CEO and the executive team, and we basically make an organizational chart all the way down to frontline, you know, on the ground people. And we would talk about, I would talk about this all the time when they, a lot of leaders would come and they would be so concerned about the consumer, the customer, you know, and meeting the customer's needs. And that's a really important thing to be intentional and thoughtful about because without meeting the customer's needs and, you know, and the, and the end user, you know, we don't have a business, we have to meet those needs. But they would get so consumed with that, they would forget all of the organization in between them and the customer. And I would ask them, when was the last time you, you actually spoke to a customer? You know, and there was always silence. And it's been a lot, it's been a while. So how do you know, how, why are you the best person to make decisions on what they need? Right? You're not. Uh, that's the people, you should be going to the people that are working with them on the ground day to day. They're going to know what the customer needs. What you're main job is, is who's right beneath you, the people that you're responsible for in leading directly, you know, who reports to you. Uh, those are the, that should be your first priority in the people that you develop in your organization. And if you do a great job there, they're going to develop the people beneath them. And, you know, you see the trickle effect all the way down to the uh, frontline staff and ultimately to the customer. So yeah. I, we would always end with, if you want to impact the customer, um, or your consumer in a positive way, 
you gotta you gotta focus more on the people right beneath you, yeah. And the ripple effect will follow. So that was always a helpful visual, not just for me, but but for them to. And it's not like it's not like they're stupid, right? CEOs and executives of companies are not idiots. Uh, they know that, and but sometimes we get so lost in our routine uh, or lost in trying to meet the customer's needs and reach that bottom line uh, that we forget you know, what's right in front of us, yeah. which is the, those that we work with and see in day to day and developing them is just crucial. Right. I, I believe. Right. And developing people, um, requires, and these are equally important leadership traits and skills that we should talk about. And that is collaboration and inclusion. Mm. So collaborative leaders, uh, tend to be more effective at developing people because they're willing to share their experience, they're willing to share their time, their ideas, and most importantly, they're willing to uh, invite others into their their world, so to speak. Um, and it's not collaboration just at the executive or the or the um, the C-suite level. Uh, it's collaboration across the board mm-hmm. and being mindful that everybody in your organization at every level and in in varying roles can contribute to the conversation, can contribute to the solution. So collaboration, in my opinion, spills into inclusion mm-hmm. and inclusion is very much um, pertinent at this time. And we tend another, to think about another it. Another buzzword for sure. Yes, People absolutely. Absolutely. Inclusion, right. equity. Right. So uh, I think a, a, a mindful leader that is highly focused on the soil of his or her organization understands the imperative of collaboration and the imperative of inclusion because that's likely to give you a better outcome. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. Um, CEOs are many steps removed from what's happening on the front line, so to speak, from what's happening with the customer or the consumer. But if they listen to the individuals that come into direct or not so direct contact with those consumers on a regular basis, they'll have a better understanding of their mission and their purpose, if you will, and how to execute more effectively. But collaboration is really, really important because it goes back to what we talked about earlier in terms of authenticity, humility, self-awareness, self-control, etc., because you have to demonstrate all of those things through collaboration and you have to be authentic as yeah. you do it. So collaboration, in my opinion, is one of the key qualities of leadership. Uh, and there's been a tremendous change in the workplace and organizations in general relative to, to leading and managing. Um, the world today is no longer a command and control unless you're in a deep crisis mode. Mm-hmm. Even now in the midst of this pandemic, we don't see command and control at any level of, of, of our society. Uh, some people perhaps want that, but mm-hmm. in actuality, leaders are cultivating and coordinating. Yeah. That's essentially what we do. It's cultivating and coordinating. And that is essential to good, healthy soil and it's essential to minimizing your weeds because as you cultivate, you're building relationships, you're building trust, you're defining the mindset that you want for your organization, you're modeling the behavior that you want to have, and as you're coordinating, you're involving others, you're collaborating, you're being inclusive, you're being mindful and thoughtful of who else needs to be a part of this conversation, and as a result, you'll have better outcomes and better products. So collaboration and inclusion become really important traits of good, effective leadership. Yeah. And the, you know, the Arbinger Institute's influence pyramid is just a great visual for what you're, you know, what you're talking about. For those of you that aren't familiar with it, it's, you know, think of a pyramid, the old food pyramid, different levels. And the top level is, is correct or control, right? It's just to correct. And, and that can have several meanings. The next level down is teach and communicate. Next level down, listen and learn. Next level down is build relationships. And that's two part with the actual group or person. And then with others who have influence, which is this idea of being inclusive, like you're mentioning. And then, you know, there's this separation. And then there's this very bottom level, which is change mindset, or as we've been saying, seeing people. And there's certainly times when leaders need to work at that top level of they need to correct things. They need to take command and control and that's usually in crisis mode or that's usually in uh you know intervention sort of setting but as leaders we should we should strive to make those moments few and far between 
so that the rest of our time is working at those bottom levels, especially building relationships, seeing people, listening and learning. Uh, I think that those are, you know, the levels where we where we end up preventing and where we end up cultivating, you know, our soil at, at uh, the levels that it needs to be cultivated. But I don't want to disregard the fact that sometimes what is most needed is some command and control, but those should be, we should strive to make those few and far between. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think we just, we have to consider the environment that we're operating in. We have to, ins- to consider the moment, if you will, because that may call on a different type of leadership mm-hmm. for us. Uh, which also leads me to to touch on one key component of leadership, and that is situational awareness. Situation, so yeah. we talked about self-awareness, mm-hmm. where you are aware of your own traits, your mm-hmm. own strengths and weaknesses and proclivities, perhaps. But let's also talk about situational awareness, yeah. which comes back to what we talked about earlier in terms of empathy, authenticity, collaboration, mm-hmm. inclusion. But the situational awareness piece is really important because it means you have a heightened sense and understanding of what's actually going on mm-hmm. in your environment, yeah. in your organization. It goes back to what you just said about seeing people, listening, yeah. understanding, having empathy, having compassion. And I think that is an important trait of leadership because it's what you see. And what's it's not just... Um, the mechanical or the technical things that you're responsible for, it's the other elements of your culture. Mm-hmm. And culture is a big important of soil. Yeah. So are you aware of what's happening in your organization? Are you constantly defining and modeling the culture that you want to have in your mm-hmm. organization? Are you, are you sensitive to uh, nuances, you know, perhaps undercurrents yeah. that you may not be aware of? So all of those come into the forefront, in my opinion, especially when we start to encounter conflict or at times of crisis. Um, and situational awareness also requires that you are fully cognizant of the needs of others. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the common thread between some of these episodes um, because this always comes up uh, in, the, in the last previous interviews that I've done, Desmond and, and Jason was another um, we end up talking about this, you know, this component of being part of, I think, being situationally aware, but also seeing, not not seeing ourselves as above anything in our organization. You know, Jason shared a story, um, and Jason, my brother-in-law was also a clinical uh, social worker. He shared, a, shared an example of, you know, uh, NBA team owner that, you know, when there was, when it needed to be done, he grabbed a towel and went out on the court and wiped up the sweat, Right. Uh, and he, you know, of course, maybe that was a publicity stunt, but it, you know, we'll see it as, as if it wasn't. That's that is that is, you know, being completely aware, and it's also not being above anything, you know. And some some mutual friend that we both have here in the community, you know, director of high schools, uh, Larry Ramirez, he said something that I always think about now. Once I first heard him say it, but he said, if you're too if you're too if you're too big for a small job, then you're too small for a big job. Uh, and I've, again, I've shared that quote in two other episodes. So it's interesting, this common thread that we keep coming back to with leadership, which is rooted in this self-awareness. It's rooted in this humility. It's rooted in this this idea of seeing people as people. You know, even even in my own house, I need to be aware of this as as a leader in my own household. I got three little kids. And just yesterday, you know, I, I was watching the kids while my wife was at a soccer practice training coaching and I had all three kids. And they, I got them dinner ready. They're eating on the counter, but I took my food and I went and ate on the couch. <laughs> and, and my son, you know, he's three, he's, he's confused. Like, well, why can't I come eat on the couch? And I'm, well, cause I'm daddy and I get to eat on the couch. And my older, my older daughter, she's six. She's, you know, she sees like, well, that's because he's daddy. So he gets to do that. Well, sure. Maybe that's a privilege of being a dad and I pay the bills and blah, blah, blah. But I'm also setting this, this tone that somehow I'm better than they are, so I get more. And and there's going to be simple manifestations of that that we can't change. But I mean, everybody knows, and this goes to this idea of power dynamics in, in an organization, right? But we have to be mindful of of those sort of things. I mean, what what is the eating on the couch for you as a leader in an organization? What is it? I mean, what do you get a special privilege that doesn't even really need to be there um, that nobody else gets, but they see and how does that start to create this separation and these power dynamics that are unnecessary and start to create 
toxic soil. Yeah. I really appreciate the story and, and I know your kids and <laughs> I, I can just picture when you were describing it, I can see it like a movie yeah. just, you know, unfolding in front yeah. of my eyes. Um, and that's what you get for having really smart kids and <laughs> yeah. adorable kids. Yeah, and they call me out on it. Yeah. 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 That's good. So you just said, touched on something that we haven't really uh, mentioned explicitly and this notion of power. Yeah. That leaders really have power. Mm-hmm. And, and that my, is another topic that is everywhere right now. Everybody's talking about power. About power. Absolutely. And, and we should probably do another episode that focuses yeah. on the power of leadership. And that's different, in my opinion, from having power. Yeah. Because the power of leadership is about purpose and impact. Mm-hmm. Having power can be dangerous yes. if it's in the wrong hands, mm-hmm. if you will. But what I really want to touch on relative to this notion of power in the, in the context of leadership And it takes us back to this notion of collaboration and inclusion and humility and all of the things that we just talked about is this notion of distributed leadership. And it's a style. Yeah. It's often referred to as a style. Is your style a command and control or is your style a distributed leadership? And distributed leadership is all about sharing your power. Yeah. Is is all about building capacity in others. It's all about humility Mm -hmm. and willing to give others some of your space, Mm -hmm. some of your power. And I think that is an important quality of leadership because if you have distributed leadership, that means other voices are equal to yours. You're not the the final Mm -hmm. and the only authority on everything. You're inviting other voices and perspectives into the conversation. Mm -hmm. If you have distributed leadership, you're allowing others to be the sense makers. Yeah. You're not the only one in the organization that can mm-hmm. explain everything. Others have the capacity and the ability to do the same. Uh, if you're willing to share your power in, as a distributive, distributed leadership um, model, you're willing to allow others to help define the vision and contributing the vision. You're allowing others to build relationships. So you're not in control of the power all by yourself. And that's a really important trait that we underestimate. And sometimes actually we equate it with weak leadership because you're not assertive, you're not top down, you're not command and control. Mm -hmm. You're willing to share and to allow other voices to come into the conversation Mm -hmm. and to come into the room and to help solve problems. That is essential in my opinion in this day and age and especially if you're trying to cultivate good, healthy soil. Yeah. I, a couple of years ago, um, I was coaching a, a few different leaders in an organization. And one of them in particular was, you know, getting a lot of negative feedback on their, from their direct reports, uh, complaints, basically, you know, that this leader, this specific leader that I was working with was, you know, came across demeaning sometimes, a lot of command and control. And this leader was confused because... In their mind, they were just doing their job, you know, and and holding people accountable. Well, you're not doing it right. You need to do it right. And, you know, it was it, all sorts of conflicts started. But what I started to zone, zero in on with this leader, as I would speak to some of their direct reports, start to understand the dynamics was that this power struggle was at play, this power dynamic. And what we got to as I, you know, spent one-on-one time with this leader was that this leader wanted people to know that they were in charge. Uh, like that was something important to them, you know, part of their identity. I'm I'm a leader, and people need to respect me, right? And there's truth to that, right? There needs to be respect for le- for leaders, but it would come across as this really toxic power struggle, you know, power dynamic with between them and their their direct reports. And so, what we started to talk about and spend time dissecting was: look, the power dynamic is there, whether you like it or not. You're the leader. You have the title of a leader. They don't. They know that. Uh, most people, 99% of people in an organization know who the leader is, and they know all the the typical kind of cultures that come along with that. They know you're in charge. They know you're their boss. They know they, you report to them. So stop reminding them of it. <laughs> That's kind of what we got to was stop reminding them that you're in charge. They already know it. And the more that you start to share the power and share your knowledge and be collaborative and hear from them and learn from them, that sends a message that you're willing to share that with them. And, and it starts to take down those power dynamics, those walls that you've been, you know, that you've been creating. And, and it was uh, a light bulb went on for me and, and this leader of power dynamics already exists. Stop reminding people of it. Uh, they already know. 
especially in an organizational setting, they already know. And so just getting the mindset shifting from letting that be less important that you're in charge um, starts to tear down some of those toxic power dynamics. So I think that goes right in line with what you were with what you were saying about leadership and about the dynamics of power and sharing it um, in in organizations. So you know we're approaching an hour already, Salam. I told you, Salam and I were on we're talking before this, and I he was bringing up the concern. Well, you know, hopefully we have enough to talk about. And I said, well, this is going to go by really fast. <laughs> uh, you know, there's plenty to talk about. That was the concern. Was more there's so much to talk about. How are we going to you know put this into a into an episode? And I said, well, I think the hour will go by and we'll look at the clock. And sure enough, we're approaching 58 minutes. So to kind of sum this up, I want to come back to this idea of a- accountability because maybe it's just because it's what's on my mind and it's what I've been thinking about lately within our Leadership Institute as a topic that constantly needs to be you know, front of mind for, for all of us. Uh, so I want to I spend some time on that, but I also want to hear from you on you know, what you feel, and this might be written on the wall already because we've been discussing it, but what you feel are, you know, some of the most key components uh, to leadership that if you had five minutes with a leader uh, or a group of leaders, what would you share with them as something that, you know, the most important thing that they need to, to consider? And again, we might've already been discussing it, but I would like you to maybe address that if you, if you, if you could, based upon your experience. But I want to, before we do that, again, I want to touch on this idea of accountability you know, that's the first part of cultivating our soil in our curriculum is accountability, breaking up the soil, having ownership. I just feel like that is one of those timeless things that leaders everywhere need to know and need to practice often. But I think there's a confusion there. And the confusion is this, and it's one of our mantras here. Arbinger Institute says this all the time as well, that as leaders, we need to stop holding others accountable and create accountable people. Now, sure, we need to hold people accountable at times, but our focus shouldn't be holding others accountable all day uh, and and all week and all month and all year. It needs to be more focused on what we've already mentioned is developing others, but creating other people to be accountable. And it starts with us. If I'm not accountable to myself and I don't have that self-awareness, situational awareness like you've mentioned, then nobody else is going to follow that. I'm the model. And and there's often leaders that get confused by that statement, stop holding people accountable and create accountable people. Well, how do you do that? Because our organization needs accountability. And the answer always is, well, you got to start. What holds you back? What are, your, what are the mistakes that you've made that maybe there's an image there that you're trying to protect that you don't want people to see and say, it was my fault. And, and, and part of that is, you know, I'm reading a book right now extreme ownership. And he talks about how it's never the team's fault, it's the leader's fault. And how can we adopt that mindset as leaders that it's not our organization's fault when things go wrong. It's not the customer's fault. It's not the 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 community's fault or the, the political setting's fault. It's none of their fault if, if my organization is not achieving or not doing what it should be doing. It's my fault as a leader. We we Leaders need to be able to take that mentality on. And it's a hard, heavy pill to swallow sometimes. So what are your thoughts on that? If I may just touch briefly on the accountability piece, Chris, before I jump into uh, very quickly into what I would advise an aspiring leader or someone that's entering an organization uh, to do. So one of the things that pertain to me relative to accountability, whether I'm a leader of an, of an organization or or someone in different roles with that, within that organization is is really holding my leaders accountable for what they say. I think it's important to hold them accountable for um, how they treat others. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to um, to think about not just what they say, but how they say it. Uh, do they mean what they say? Uh, are they practicing what they say? Yeah. Uh, that those are all forms of soft accountability, perhaps. But I think if we create a culture that is based on trust, based on collaboration, based on inclusion, and based on honesty and humility and authenticity, then we can hold each, each other accountable yeah. for for these traits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, think about uh, a leader that you've had the opportunity to work with. Think about how they treated you. How they how did they treat others? When I was leading organizations, I always said to to my colleagues, 
um, it's it's important what you say, but how you say it is equally important. Yeah. Because that could convey that humility, that mm-hmm. authenticity, that conviction that you are doing things and leading with purpose. Yeah. So I just wanted to touch that on on uh, on that relative to the accountability piece. So if I were to to share my experience um, relative to leadership, the different roles and organizations I've been in, I would say uh, honesty and authenticity are one of the key traits to being successful. So as you touched on earlier, being honest about who you are, you have to be honest with yourself first. But I think exhibiting honesty, authenticity, empathy, transparency are really important for people to get to know who you are. Because if you're going to lead an organization, they want to know who you are as a person, as you Mm -hmm. mentioned earlier, Chris. I think building trust through collaboration is really important. Yeah. It's not sufficient to go to your to your colleagues and say to them, just trust me on this yeah. or trust me, I'm going to do what's in the best interest of the organization. Today, we, we live in a very collaborative, inclusive, engaged environment, whether it's the workplace, whether it's, it's home or any environment, quite frankly. So trust needs to be built through collaboration and inclusion. Yeah. So always be mindful of the needs of others. Always be thinking about what don't, what you don't exactly see, and that means you have to listen to people, you have to engage, you have to solicit their opinions, ideas, and perspective, and that leads to building relationships, which is an essential component of any any organization. It's the essence of the soil, mm-hmm. the relationships that people have with one another. It allows your seeds to grow and flourish, and if they're not good relationships build, then you're going to have a lot of weeds, meaning a lot of conflict because people don't trust each other. They don't see each other. They don't empathize with each other, et cetera. Uh, Humility is really important. And that's part of the last ingredient that I will talk about, which is accountability. So humility and your willingness to do the work. I had a boss once that always said to me, you got to get your hands dirty. Yeah. And that's so relevant to this context Mm -hmm. of rooted leadership. That means you have to get into the work. Yeah. You know, you have, you know, you could be the owner of the basketball team. And if you see, you know, water on the court, sweat on the ground, sweat on the ground, you go wipe it off. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But that means you're willing to do the work. You yeah. have to do the work and not just talk about the work. And you are willing to hold yourself accountable for the results. Yeah. And not blame others, just take responsibility yeah. because ultimately that's what you're, that's the stewardship mm-hmm. that you talked about earlier. You are the steward of the organization. So you're ultimately accountable and you have to be willing to embrace that and accept that and lead with courage. Yeah. So. That's fantastic. And I think a, a good way to, you know, sum this up as it pertains to everything we've talked, discussed and accountability is Everything that we've mentioned and that you list just listed off that we've spent you know the last hour talking about humility, transparency, uh, authenticity, you know, collaboration, and so on. If you're wondering what it means to create accountable people, it means that you have to be accountable to the times that you lack in all those areas. That's what it means to be self-accountable, and to me, that's what it means to that's the first step in creating other others to be accountable for themselves is the times that I'm not humble and I'm prideful, do I own it? Do I, do I admit it? Do I let my people know it? At the times that I'm not authentic or that I jump to conclusions or I don't see or I'm not fully transparent or I don't tell the full truth, am I owning it? Am I letting people know it? To me, a, a, a self-accountable leader that ends up creating accountable people are the ones that can stand before their teams and say, I messed up. You know, I screwed up. And uh, I shouldn't have, and it was my fault. Sure, others might have been involved, but it was it was me. And I wasn't as humble as I could have been. And uh, I wasn't as transparent as I ought to have been. Um, and I'm sorry, and I'm going to do better. That's an accountable leader to me. And leaders that do that, they end up having a lot less work on the back end to do because now they don't have to go and hold people to these standards that they can't even keep themselves. Uh, those people are learning how to be humble, learning how to be transparent, learning how to be accountable and authentic when they see their leader um, admitting when they're doing the opposite. And there's kind of a paradox there, you know? Uh, we, we, we help people 
acquire these attributes. This is what I believe. We help people acquire all those attributes that you, you talked about by admitting to when we don't, because <laughs> it makes it tangible and, and real. Um, we, you know, leaders cannot be seen as this elevated, uh, superhero-like, godlike figure, and we shouldn't see ourselves that way. We're just like everybody else. Um, you know, we get up in morning and we get up in the morning and put shoes on and pants like everybody else. And, and, uh, you know, we, we go to work. And so, um, being real with that, being accountable to all of our flaws, uh, in a way that's helpful to our organization, I think is the first step in creating accountable people. Yep. Yep. We need to, we need to do that. And so right now leaders, uh, any, any leaders that are listening, stop blaming. Okay. Don't blame the community dynamics, the political environment, the uh, the customers or people whom you serve or your employees or anybody, even if there's some tangible evidence that those people have some fault, stop blaming them and take accountability first on your participation in it. Even if it's small, own it. Uh, and that's going to start making a difference. Uh, I, I honestly believe it's going to make the world of a difference in, in your organization and your families and in your community. I mean, imagine right now, across the country if communities and leaders came out and admitted their faults. Yes. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> imagine the changes that would happen uh, and the ripple effect that that could have. At any rate, Salam, anything else that is on your mind? I mean, I, I want to get as much from you as I can in this time we have uh, as it pertains to this topic. And I know we'll have plenty of other times to discuss it, but anything yeah. else that's Top well, of mind. you triggered a thought for me in your final comments, and and uh, we've we've really been talking about it, but maybe not so explicitly. And that is, don't be afraid to grow, hmm. and that's part of the accountability. So growth, uh, we want to grow other leaders, we want to develop other leaders, but we have to remember that we have to continue to learn and grow and expand our own capacity, mm-hmm. because if we don't, then we're modeling. The opposite of that to our organizations and to the leaders that we're trying to grow. And we all have something to learn and we have to continue learning. And I would say that should be part of the cultural um, component of any organization is that we all need to grow and we can learn together, learn from each other and build capacity in in ourselves and others through these shared experiences. And that's really what the Groundwork Leadership Institute is about. Yeah. Well, uh, we're coming up on on our time that we wanted to allocate for this episode. So uh, we'll wrap up. But appreciate you, Salam, joining. And and Salam is not a guest. He's a co-host. And uh, he's going to be, you know, you'll hear a lot more from him uh, in other episodes. But just appreciate you being here and, and learning learning from you as always. And thank you for those of you that have been listening. Again, this is the Rooted Leadership Podcast. Chris Panetta and Salam Noor. Uh, Hope you have a great day. Be safe and be accountable this week.